You're listening to CFRU 93.3 in Glasgow, Ontario. Extra! Extra! Read all about it in The Ontarian! The Ontarian is the University of Guelph's independent student newspaper. Hot off the press every Thursday. Get your free copy on campus and around Guelph or check us out online at www.theontarian.com. Not enough, Ontarian? Let's get social! Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Ontarian. Get on top of Guelph with The Ontarian. Your newspaper! It is no surprise that one of CFRU's longest-running and most popular programs is Clan Gale. We feature two hours of the best Celtic music from around the world and around the corner. Listen on Sundays after the BBC World News at noon. Tune in and get your fill of fiddles, whistles, banjos, mandolins, barons, harps, flutes and wonderful voices. And of course, let's not forget everyone's favourite Celtic musical instrument, the bagpipes. Planet Gale is the most bagpipe-friendly show on CFRU FM 93.3. Join me, John Fahey, on Sundays and start your own Celtic Kitchen Kaylee. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Hoshalaga Land of Souls, The Shape of Water, Loveless, Molly's Game, Lady Bird, and The Party. And at the E-Bar on the 22nd is RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 3 and Dead Radio Love 48, An Evening with My Son the Hurricane in Guelph. And on the 24th is Post-Apocalyptic Couture Fashion Show. The Bookshelf is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street. For more info about The Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, very, very special guest in the studio. No names, but she's kind of a big deal at the station. And we're also missing the other person who's supposed to be here, but pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And maybe some talk about civilization? Magic? Who knows? Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada, blah, blah, blah. I have a cold in case you can't notice or if you have noticed, you've already turned off the radio in disgust. Uh, I am Jack and I am joined by the lovely Andrea. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, Andrea. How's it going with you? I'm go- I'm, it's going well. I think I'm catching a cold too, though. So. And for the record, I didn't give it to her in the two <laughs> minutes that we've been sitting here. Well, it's been more than two minutes. Close enough. Uh, it is going around, folks. Inoculate mm-hmm. yourself. And if, can you? You can. I don't think you can no. inoculate yourself against a cold. Can you just like, can you give yourself partial exposure to it and kind of just, can you get a light dose of the cold? 
I don't know. You're going to have to test that theory. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I can get in like an ethical practice. Of, <laughs> maybe disbarred. Not disbarred. What, what, do you, what happens when you have a medical license revoked? Is that it? Yeah. There's no formal term. Yeah. yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, Android's Dungeon is a show about games, movies, music, whatever we feel like talking about. Mostly games, because that's the stuff that we play. Uh, and I like to start off every show by asking our guests and co-host, who isn't here right now. <laughs> uh, Andrea, what have you been playing recently? Well, um, I just recently finished Horizon Zero Dawn oh. on the PlayStation 4, um, which is actually the first PlayStation game I've ever played. <laughs> Wait, hold so on. That, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. First, like, PlayStation period game yeah. you've ever played. Yes. One, two, three, mm-hmm. four. Yeah. Okay, go on. Because I've always been a Nintendo loyalist, and then, um, like, the past few years, I've kind of, like, fallen out of playing video games, and mm-hmm. then I was like, why is that? And I realized I was just, like, really unimpressed with when Nintendo was released, and, and then I looked at what, like, the PlayStation was releasing, and I was mm-hmm. like, this is totally up my alley. So then I bought a PlayStation and fell in love with it, and yeah. You bought a PS4? Yeah. And did you, there must have been something that, was it for Horizon? No, it was just like I was looking at all of the different games that were released. And Horizon, actually, I bought it off of Kijiji and the guy threw hey, it in Horizon. Nice, so, very nice. Yeah. So is it a pro or the... No, it's the Slim. PS4 Slim. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Very yeah. good. So tell us about Horizon Zero Dawn because it's uh, it made a bit of a splash. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it picked up a couple of industry awards at least. Yeah. So, okay. So it's the story of Aloy. Well, okay. It's post-apocalyptic. And mm-hmm. um, you control Aloy, who is this outcast in the society. Um, and it's a... Um, like a matriarchal society that worships this like all mother and so you're kind of in the game trying to figure out who this all mother is and then also um so like the whole world it's post-apocalyptic so people are trying to like rebuild um their civilization again and it's kind of like they've become hunter-gatherer societies Mm -hmm. and um the world's been taken over by these like uh robots who are a lot like animals they're like robotic animals um and so there's like this this evil force that's trying to use these robots to like destroy the world and then there's like the good force of the all mother and Aloy is kind of like she's well she is on the side of the all mother and it's trying to like save the world from destruction from mm-hmm. evil forces. And so you you finished it recently. Yeah, I haven't played the the new DLC, mm-hmm. but I finished like the the first version of the game. And how many hours do you think it took for you? I think it took about 82 hours. Woo! Now, yeah. did you... Because I know... I, I'm borrowing it from my friend, and I've been sitting probably... The problem with open-world games, I've talked about this with Joel before, is that I just... My OCD loses it, and whenever, like, you're you're going across the map, and there's... Boop, boop, yeah. boop, 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 all these little markers show up. I, yeah. I have to take care of them, or the, the challenges to, like... Um, uh, like the hunter challenges or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it takes me forever. And then by the time I actually do the main story, I've forgotten why I'm even doing it in the first place. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I actually, I platinumed the game. So I, I'm, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize <laughs> I'm a completist as well. And I actually find that that game wasn't that bad for that. Like I didn't no, feel no. very overwhelmed by it. And I mean, like, yeah, I felt like the side quests and the main quests were pretty easy to keep track of. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, as opposed to maybe some other ones that are a little grindier. Yeah. It's got all the, like, 
it's easy to get all the flowers, for example, yeah, or yeah. to complete all the uh, the hunter missions or whatever. Finding those cracked cups or the yeah. lookout points, it's it's all right there. You don't have to like, okay, I'm going to be sitting here doing this for thirty hours trying to achieve some arbitrary lockout yeah. of sort. But but did you enjoy it? I loved it. It was so good. And also, um, I just loved how, like, progressive it was. Like, mm-hmm. it was such a feminist game, which I thought was just amazing. <laughs> I mean, like, delving back into video games again, like, video culture can be, like, so misogynistic. Uh-huh. And it was just awesome that that was, like, my re-entry into the world was such a, like, progressive game like that. Right. So you, as somebody who was out of the the hobby for a while, to leap back in and be able to play as this um, uh, this this tough chick who's running around with a spear and stabbing dinosaurs <laughs> and and riding. I don't think you get to ride the T Rex, do you? Or can uh, you? the T Rex? You know the thunder the thunder beast. Oh no, or, no, you don't get to ride. That, no, 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 you just get to destroy it, which yeah. is pretty sweet. <laughs> okay, so that says some. Now that's a good question. Or it brings up a good question: is that when you're when you're uh, looking to play a game or uh, yeah let's just leave it at games for now when you're looking to play a game does having a character that you can directly relate to um, affect whether or not you would uh, enjoy the medium so in the case of um, Horizon Zero Dawn the fact that you can, you're, the lead character is a, a woman mm-hmm. does that appeal to you does that make you more likely to play the game I'd say generally not. I mean, I grew up playing Duke Nukem, and, like, as a... I don't know, how old was I? I was, like, nine years old or something playing Duke Nukem, and obviously cannot relate to him, but I still, like, freaking (laughs) love that game. Um, No, I think that, for the most part, the important thing is just, like, the world. Yeah, yeah. Like, to feel, like, immersed in it. Um, But I think it was just just refreshing for me Mm -hmm. to see a character like Aloy in a video game. That's when you bring up the world, because... When Duke Nukem 3D, that's the one you're talking about, right? Yeah. When that one came out, one of the main reasons why it was so popular is because the the designers took so much attention, or put so much attention into actual world building. So even though yeah. it's still a maze, ultimately, at the end of the day, there's a lot of verticality, and you feel like you're actually going through, like, the very first level of, um, like, the Shareware episode everyone's always played. It just feels like you're actually going through a city, and yeah. you have, like, the, the movie theaters and the rest of the stuff all around there. So it is it is a world you're interacting with, as opposed to, like, maybe Doom, for example, which is just some arbitrary angle set up for challenges, and yeah. it, it's just spooky, I suppose. Yeah, but, it's <clears throat> actually also funny. They the I don't know if it came with all of the versions of the game, but there was, like, a Duke Nukem level builder. Oh! And my parents, like... We all like we would we had a few computers and we like connect them and like all play you together. land as a family yeah. <laughs> yes holy smokes <laughs> yeah never um, have I ever heard of this <laughs> it's because of my parents that I game like my mom is a huge gamer and she actually <laughs> used the Duke Nukem level builder to create our house in this the is game. so cool <laughs> so we were able to like play Duke Nukem in our house like in the were you game. deathmatching in your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blowing up your mom in the kitchen and your dad shooting you with a shotgun. That's crazy. Yeah, it was really cool. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's funny that you bring up, again, Duke Nukem and level editing because that's one of the reasons why Duke Nukem 3D is still so popular is because the, A, they, the source is open. So mm-hmm. you can, they made all these uh, source ports for it so you can play on anything. Uh, similar to how people make challenges out of putting, um, like running Doom on like your car uh, navigation software because mm-hmm. it's so portable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke has survived because people have been transferring to everything, mm-hmm. and the modding community is so strong for it that, in fact, the engine, uh, the build engine, 
um, created by Ken Silverman way back in the day as a because he was inspired by Wolfenstein 3D and he saw that and he said I can make my own. And he was just a kid and he made this game that's a clone of it called Ken's Labyrinth. And mm, then yeah, I played that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyone who had those like thousand one shareware games yeah. uh, discs would have played Ken's Labyrinth at some oh, point. Man. Nostalgia. No kidding. <laughs> but. Um, they're actually releasing a new game using the build engine made by some guys who are ex-3D Realms um, oh, apogee cool. types called Ion Maiden. And it's kind of a prequel to a game that came out um, uh, a little recently. I forget what it was called. Um, but it was, it, was, it was more of a flop than anything. Oh, hey. somebody's entered. <laughs> somebody's here. Hello. How's it going? Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's all right. Anything? No. Nothing important. Nothing's as important <laughs> as me. <laughs> I'm here. In case you don't Hello. know, folks, Joel Bryan has just entered the studio. Woo! You, can, you can turn off the radio now. <laughs> Nothing of importance will be discussed. Yeah. Don't turn off the radio, please don't. <laughs> so I'll just pretend like you guys haven't been doing anything. And Andrea, what have you been playing lately? <laughs> she already answered that question. Oh, shoot. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, there's a new game using that old engine coming out, which is pretty cool, and it looks great, and it's his attention to the world building and the fact that people are so tired of modern shooters that they're going back to these old ones that are more attention to just, like, the actual gameplay as opposed to trying to, like, new Wolfenstein wow you with these graphics, but the gameplay stinks, so they're going back to it. Oh, that's rad. Is it going to be, like, a Steam game? It is a Steam game. You can get the first uh, Shareware episode uh, right now. It's early access, so... Well, I know what I'm doing when I get home. (laughs) Yeah, give it a check. (laughs) I haven't played it myself. Can't vouch for it. What game is this? Ion Maiden. Sounds made up. <laughs> it's fake. I'm just Andrew's gonna go home, type it in, get me nothing. <laughs> Jack fooled you again. I'm just trolling. Uh, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Uh, I actually taught Puerto Rico again. Oh yeah, which is great, and uh, a little bit of Istanbul. Wait, That's did, new. did you get a haircut? No, just, right. just clean. All right. <laughs> it's, either way, it looks different. <laughs> nice. So you taught Puerto Rico again. Yeah, so I don't have anything new to report. We didn't play Gloomhaven this week, which I no. guess is new in, a, in its own way. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then I've been playing a lot of Warcraft 3. <laughs> same old, same old. <laughs> you can always just do a repeat of the, yeah. uh, the previous <laughs> listen conversation. to what I, I said last week, play it again, and then I didn't even have to show up. I will ask you, though, because uh, Puerto Rico, this is the third time you've taught. I made four times. Yep. Uh, do you find it? How easy do you find it to teach? It's it's the kind of game that you you take it out and there's a lot of pieces and people. Uh, I don't know about this, but the moment like you you just pick up each action and go through each one and as soon as you're done that they're pretty much set for the game. So yeah, it's very easy to teach, but it is really intimidating up front. It's kind of an older type of game. Mm. You've got a bunch of like crappy looking cardboard pieces. But <laughs> they do not look good. It looks terrible. <laughs> it plays really well. It's definitely unforgiving to someone who doesn't know what they're doing, though. So in a sense yeah. that you, if you, it's one of those games. Just I don't know if I put up there with Food Chain Magnet, but if you're playing against somebody who knows what they're doing, then they're just going to stomp you. If you're yep. going in naked and you need a bit of help, I think so, that's definitely a game that some coaching goes a long way. Yeah. So for some context, there's this series called the Leah that Ravensburger puts out, and it's like 15. Uh, is it 14 or 15? Anyway, it's about 15 games, and they all wow. look pretty together. So you line them all up, and it looks like a collection <laughs> on a bookshelf, you know? They all have the same lines on the top and everything. Oh, okay. So that's how they rope you in, but they're all actually pretty good games as ah, well. Cool. 
Cool. It's not I'll just to collect them all and like yeah. half of them are garbage. Although now <laughs> I want to, you know. Uh, so this was like number nine or something, so it's fairly okay. old. But Castles of Burgundy is part of that, and that's one of the most popular ones too. So between that and Puerto Rico, decent collection there. Notre Dame. Anyway, well, uh, You've got room service, right? That's room 13? service, yeah. Fifteen. Room service is like uh, Matilda. Meets, Matilda. Uh, like, uh, you ever play that uh, game where you're the kid riding down Paperboy? Paperboy. Oh, and you yeah. Throw the- <laughs> yeah, I love that game. It's more of Kiki's Delivery Service. I man. actually haven't played the game, so I'm just, <laughs> I'm just basing it all off of the box the cover, SNES? but Jax actually owns it and has uh, played NES, but yeah, 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 yeah. same yeah. thing. Was there an Atari version? Yeah. I don't know. I just played PC. <laughs> the PC Paperboy? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so Puerto Rico and No Gloomhaven and War 3. Yeah, I, I would say that I'm I'm a pass for this week. What about you, Jack? Well, actually, I've got some interesting things to say, Joel. <laughs> that wasn't meant to be mean. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, I learned two games this weekend. Uh, I was um, I got to try out key po- or, uh, Keeper, excuse me, which mm. is in the series of uh, Key Flower and Key Thedral, and it's this by this designer named Richard Breeze, and I always get him confused with the guy who does. You remember those um, books about like there's. Uh, like a, a worm riding an apple car, uh, like a kid's book, and it's like this busy town full of insects and animals. And, oh, Busy Town. Uh, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called Busy Town. No. Like Richard Scary's <laughs> Richard Scary, that's it. I always get Richard Scary and Richard Breeze mixed up. And I think this is a very talented artist and <laughs> designer. Like He writes guy. books and he designs <laughs> games. But the, the art style is very colorful and uh, similar. But Keyflower, we both really like. Mm. It's a very special game. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Keeper came out. And I was trying to d- describe what it's like, and it's Keyflower meets Carcassonne meets Puerto Rico. And it's a, it doesn't do any of those things exactly, so it's a <laughs> difficult game to pin down. But the central gimmick relies on the fact that every player has their own board, and you're building, putting tiles down on it that you're going to... It's kind of like in Keyflower, you're building your village, so you want to put stuff that's going to uh, get you a lot of points at the end of the game. Um, in this, though, you've got a central board with a bunch of actions, and this is a worker placement comes in. But the boards... Um, are these really bizarre folded cardboard things with a bunch of th- different symbols on them that you can fold infinitely in the different sort of shapes. I mean, do you remember those, uh, I don't know if you call them toys, because that's kind of stretching it, but do you know the, what a Jacob's Ladder is? Mm-hmm. It's, um, Andrew, why don't you tell Joel? No, I'm trying, is that the one that like folds? Yes. Yeah, it's just like a, a wooden, like wooden squares on top of each other that yeah. like, you unfold them and they like flop. Yeah, so you can just th- oh, you can just keep going like this. What's the purpose? Yeah. <laughs> well, the purpose is that it's these boards. You just keep folding them somehow, and you wonder how did I get here? It should have <laughs> been folded over at some point. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and the game even tells you like to set up a certain way, but I didn't realize it folded a certain way too. So it was deeply confusing. Mm. So the point of this is that. So this is like a in part dexterity game. No, 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 no. I'm, ma- I'm making it say- oh. maybe setting it up was a dexterity <laughs> game, mental dexterity <laughs> for Jack, but. Uh, so you're supposed to set it up, and just like Keyflower, you have seasons. And the main thing is that at the beginning of the game, you always have to have the board set up to spring. And after that, you can claim a board at the end of, or at any point on a turn. You take all the uh, meeples or keeples that are on it, just like Keyflower, and they're yours at the end. But then you get to decide which way the board is going to be set up <clears throat> Excuse me, on the next turn. So you get to fold it, and the only rule is you have to have the correct season up. And that way, you look at what you're trying to do, and you see your board, and you say, okay... Well, I'm trying to get as much jewels as I can. Well, there's a side that's got way more gems on it than another side, so I'm going to flip it up and have this side. Whereas Kayla looks at it and says, well, I don't want jewels. I'm trying to go for as many, I don't know, sheep as I can get. So she flips it up with a bunch of animals. 
and you're supposed to be playing off of each other and, mm. and trying to uh, entice people to a board and then so claim it. The, just like Key Flower, you go spring, summer, fall, winter. Exactly. It's, over. it's four rounds. And it's winter, kind of the victory point. Exactly. Area. So that's where yeah. the Key Flower stuff comes in. Now, I say Puerto Rico because when you. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm so stuffed up. Oh, awful. <laughs> We're all awful. Yeah. Actually, we are all sick. We're all <laughs> trying to cough away from the microphone. It's just that time just of year. terrible. Uh, so the reason I say Puerto Rico is because when you place an action on the central board, Everyone gets a chance to follow, and you can only have two people there at the same time. So if I put something down there, and you have a meeple that's the same color, you can say, "I, I have to." And the, the rule book says, "I have to invite." Yeah. <laughs> and I say, "Joel, would you like to join me as I mine some gems?" <laughs> and you look at me, absolutely, and you say yes, and you put your same colored meeple down. Do you have and to then, put more down? Like no, no, just one more, and then I get more stuff, and you get more stuff. Wow. So it's beneficial for the both of us. All right, I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) It's helping you out. And you can say no, and then we go to Andrea. Would you like to join me? I don't think so. And then it goes around, and then nobody nobody says it. There are certain people that will never, ever do something. I can think of two off the top of my head. If it benefits... If it benefits both of you, forget about it. If it benefits just them, <laughs> oh, fine. Save. That's why Prospector gets so popular. Have you ever have you played Puerto Rico? There's one where it's just you take one dollar and that's it. Your turn is over, but nobody else gets anything. So um, just, I'll just do that. One. I don't know if anyone took the Prospector. It's usually it was a desperation move. I think when we yeah. played because you were just a dollar short of something. So that's where it comes in. Then you have the Carcassonne, which is light tile placement there. But it was a very pretty game. The components are incredible. Uh, the reason I would, I'm, I'm hesitant to recommend it is I've only played it once, and uh, the price tag is really up there for what it is. Now, I, I kick-started it. Try uh, it at Jack's place. Try it at my place. <laughs> Just knock before you come in. <laughs> Just go take it. Just take it. It's, uh, it's expensive for what, it's, what you're getting, and... And that's not to say that it, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but it's just something that if you already have key flower, I think you would definitely try it before you buy. And mm. if you don't have key flower, then you might be interested in it. Or if you love key flower and you want more, then you should give it a shot. But So how many boats of pilgrims would you give it? <clears throat> I give it um, seven folding boards of infinity out of ten. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I... That's not bad. Yeah. Andrea, I just... I noticed you... Is that your phone case? It I is. was looking at it and I was thinking, wow, she brought a Game Boy with her. She's really committed. <laughs> but then I realized that's. I didn't even know there was a Zelda for Game Boy. It's actually the one that I'm currently playing. Are you kidding? Right one of the now. best ones ever was on <gasps> Game Boy. <laughs> I was actually. I was telling. Um, uh, Joel earlier that I'm currently on a mission to beat all of the Zelda games in chronological order. Are you the? Didn't Seth say something like that when we wasn't he, when he was on the show? Someone else, a friend of ours. Is also also went through. I think was doing uh, all the Zeldas in order, but he was picking and choosing some of them. And it's like, but are you oh, doing every I'm single doing one? Every single one. It took even me li- five years to. Be, I beat that one in a few months. It took me five years to beat the first one, but mostly out of frustration. Like yeah. I play it and then I give up for like. I don't think they've the aged very well, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, they're awful. Like the second one, I the second one's legendarily. To, I had to like before even beating the first dungeon, had to like max out all of my levels. Like, you just have to, like, grind as far as you can, like, at the very beginning of the game. It's terrible. The first Zelda. That sounds No, tough. this is the second Zelda. Oh, the second one. We yeah. actually have the experience here. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, isn't Shadow Link borderline impossible? Oh, my God. I would, like, my hands would be shaking with frustration <laughs> while I was trying to beat him. <laughs> now, are you playing this in person or you have an emulator that you're doing it on? Um, No, I played that one on my 3DS. Oh. Yeah. 
did they was it just a straight port or did was it cleaned up version of it like did they enhance the graphics at all think, no i think it was a straight port wow yeah interesting yeah legendarily difficult game it, yeah not fun not i fun think at all. but then the third mm. one was amazing now that's linked to the past right yeah, yeah. which is that's the one everyone's been copying basically yeah. ever since yeah Great I just game. assumed that was the original. <laughs> <laughs> you might that as well, but yeah. although some people, I think if you, it's, it kind of gets into this. We were talking about older games before, and some of them have aged like wine. Some of them, you kind of like, oh, you had to have been a bored kid with nothing else yeah. to like do. Battle Toads. Yeah. Battle to- that I don't know. Is that still a good game? I never played Battle Toads. It's just so. notoriously hard. Like yeah. the second level is almost impossible, mm. but it's not fun. And you Battle Toads for the so SNES. So what? Think, uh, which one are you mm-hmm. on now? I'm on this one, Link's Awakening. Oh, okay. Which is so weird. It's like, I mean, Yoshi's in it, Peach is in it. You're, like, jumping on, like, Goombas. It's, like, hmm. a I don't remember any of that area. stuff. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like I've already figured out the ending. Um, spoiler alert, he's dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Awakening. So, <laughs> so I feel like that's why it's, like, so strange. But, yeah, it's the weirdest Zelda game I've ever played. It's generally considered to be one of the best written Zeldas, at least the story really. When you hear people talking about Zelda, it's like, oh man, The Link's Awakening got me right here. It's oh, really? Something about it. Especially, I think, when you get to the end, maybe you'll know what I'm talking about, but maybe. there's there's some there's some feels. Can dun, I say dun, such an overdone term? <laughs> but, uh, feels. Hit you in the feels. Yeah. Um, Zelda, I think, did you get a chance to, have you even played Breath of the Wild yet? Or I, like, briefly played it on my friend's Switch when it, like, first came out, which mm-hmm. was amazing. It actually, it reminded me a lot of Horizon. Um, I feel like they, they were probably competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just the graphics were so beautiful, and I'm very excited to get to that one. <laughs> you got a bit of work to <laughs> do. a long way yeah. to go. <laughs> How many are there? I think there are 16. And I'm on four. <laughs> and then I want to do all the Final Fantasy Yes, you're Oh, <laughs> you can talk to Joel about Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I saw Final Fantasy 15. I was mentioning it to Jack. It came out this month, and our friend Josh is playing it. And uh, he dec- he politely declined uh, coming on the show to talk about it. But I'll just <clears> say <throat> that from standing over his shoulder, it looks really cool. It looks really modern, too. Mm-hmm. Well, the graphics are top-notch. Yeah. Is, is it act- Are the new ones action RPGs totally? Yeah, it's uh, it looks like real time. I think there's like an element of turn base to it, but you're kind of you're swinging in and out, uh, fighting a guy, and then taking turns controlling your characters. And I guess they have their own automatic settings yeah. as well. The Final Fantasy 15 was uh, kind of when it came out. I think it sold pretty well, as all Final Fantasies do. But the it's never been the series that I've been in love with, and. The premise appears to be four pretty boys driving in a yeah. <laughs> a car across the desert, and yeah, some of their lines because they can hear them from the other room are kind of cheesy, <laughs> which is which is fine. I like, believe me, <laughs> cheesy Japanese stuff. There's one point where he got into a tank. Well, <laughs> sign me up. That sounds yeah. fun. But uh, it's the se- seven is generally. I think that's the one everyone goes on about. Final Fantasy seven and eight. Yeah. It's more reviews of games from games I don't know about and haven't played from Joel. You didn't play 7? No, 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 I'm talking about Oh, you're talking about 15, yeah. 15 well, I, looks great from someone who hasn't played it. That's basically what I'm saying. I saw, t- I saw a bit of it in my Their hair is fantastic. <laughs> Look at the particle effects. That's yeah. great. Uh, all right, well, why don't we take a quick break right there then, and uh, when we come back, we're going to discuss... Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna dive down into Andrea's gaming past here, oh. and maybe plumb her uh, knowledge on a couple of topics. Stay tuned. Was the dirty end of winter along the loom of the land? 
upon hand And the wind hit bit bitter For a girl of no means With no shoes on her feet And a knife in her jeans Along the loom of the land Mission bells peal From the tower of St. Mary Down to reprobate fields And I saw the world All blessed and bright And Henry breathed softly In the majestic night Oh baby please don't cry And try to keep Your little head upon my shoulder Now we'll go to sleep The elms and the poplars Turning their backs Past the rumbling station We followed their tracks My hands, they burned In the folds of his coat Breathing milky white air in his throat Oh baby please don't cry and try to keep your little head upon my shoulder Now we'll go to
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was a cover of Loom of the Land by my man Nick Cave by a band called The Walkabouts. It's a nice little, nice little country, country song. I was going to say, I saw Nick Cave and that didn't sound like your typical Nick yeah, Cave. Yes, just thinking And they that. did, uh, <laughs> curiously, they did a little reversal on it. So the original song, it's uh, from the perspective of, uh, of the, the man. And this one, they changed it so it's uh, Sally oh, talking yeah. to, to Henry, named after uh, the name of the album, Henry's Dream. So little oh. little thing from Nick Cave fans out there. Little <laughs> anyway. I'm going to pretend I know what you're talking about. Not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what everyone else does. So mine's getting get in line. Uh, we are joined in the studio today by... Andrea and Joel. Joel normally. Andrea abnormally. Uh, so uh, I said we were going to talk about magic, but I've changed my mind because Joel convinced me of a better topic. And Andrea actually uh, was part of a very special gaming experience with us and some <laughs> other people. Uh, put on or hosted and invented, ho- I don't know, DM'd uh, by, I'm going to call him friend of the show. <laughs> sure. I have no idea if he listens. Has he ever listened? Has to he ever? Little... All right, I'm just going to downgrade him to friend. <laughs> <laughs> friend, Mark. Friend uh, of the hosts. Friend of the hosts. Yeah, friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Uh, it was 5th edition D&D, and it was uh, inexperienced. It was the first time I had played in a long time. Uh, Joel, how about you? I think it was the second time I'd ever played. Oh, a second time period. Okay, yep. interesting. Andrea, <clears throat> tell us about the D&D campaign, and let's start off with your history of D&D. Had you ever played before? I had never played before. And what what intrigued you enough to try it, or was it just such a cultural uh, icon of sorts? Yeah, just like I felt like it would totally be up my alley, like fantasy, like just really nerding out with some buds. <laughs> some buds. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it sounded really cool, and it was. <laughs> so you were, uh, you were some kind of, I don't know, what was it? A, was druid. An elf. a druid, a druid that elf. could turn into a giant snake. So all I could oh, remember yeah. was this giant figurine dropping. Yeah, no, I I was uh, able to turn into different animals' shape. I don't remember what the power was, but eventually worked my way up to being able to like turn into a giant snake, which was really cool when yeah. you were able to do that. It took you a, a couple of. I don't know, sessions before you were able to do that sort of stuff, but it seemed like you're perpetually uh, in animal form. Yeah. You're either... <laughs> well, I was so powerful. I think yeah. I, before the snake had turned into a bear, mm-hmm. was, yeah, why not? I think you were a rat or a bat at one point. Like, you would, you would turn in something tiny and then go through portcullis. Oh, a spider, I think. Spider, I yeah, spider. that's it. Yeah. That was cool. You got us into a room or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what were your, so you had a good time, um, and what were your overall impressions, though, of uh, the system and the, the style of game and the, um, the, the pen and paper style RPG? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I, like, barely scratch the surface when it comes to knowledge of D&D. It seems like you can go, like, so in-depth with that stuff, and I'd like to, like, sit down with the, like, manual mm-hmm. <laughs> and really, like, <laughs> delve into it. Um, so I, f- I feel like it was, like... Yeah, I feel like I have a superficial understanding of the game right now. But, I mean, it was still really fun, and I think it's amazing how in-depth it can go. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a complicated game. Now, you kind of... 
mentioned that you want to dip into the manual and stuff, but when you were playing it, did you feel like you wanted to, like when you were seeing this world market create, where you're like, oh, I want to try to make my own world, and I do this, or I would put people in this situation, or I have a story in the back of my head? Oddly enough, no. I mean, like, I've always been into, like, creative writing and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff, but I felt like I just enjoyed myself being a character in the game and, like, losing myself in the game. I feel like... I mean, I don't know. I've never been a DM, but it kind of seems like it would be a little less fun because you're just mostly, like, overseeing things, mm-hmm. making sure people are obeying the rules, and you don't get to, like, lose yourself in it as much. Mm-hmm. Joel, he hosted and created a giant game of D&D. Um, it was slightly different than Mark's. Mark's was more of a, I'd say, a pure dungeon crawl in the sense of it seemed like from session to session it was um, go here fight your way through these dungeons and do this. Joel, describe your scenario to uh, Andrea and maybe compare contrast. <laughs> okay, well, I would say that mine is was very much story-driven compared to his, which was, uh, was like... Encounter? Um, Encounter-driven or yeah. uh, action-driven. So he had a lot of, like, all right, so we're in a town and then we, uh, you know, hit up the tavern. Do you want to drink something? Do you want to... All right, let's go. And, oh, punch an orc shop and let's fight. <laughs> I remember right. I kept trying to seduce everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, I'm an orc, I can't be seduced. And that was basically Mark saying, I don't want to do this. <laughs> no, but then I ended up, uh, he, he told, oh, you yeah, and I, like, yeah, I like rolled a 20 or something or whatever. And yeah, I ended no up, choice. like, yeah, an orc ended up falling in love with me and like saved us later on, I think. Didn't you break his heart? Did you send him away or did you? Uh, Possibly. It's yeah. so long ago. You would have loved our story. That was <laughs> things, got, things got weird. <laughs> Mark rolled a 20 on in a big party and managed to seduce two people. Wow. <laughs> well, he, he was in the band. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was this bard and he was super popular everywhere and everybody loved him. It's it nice to be in the fantasy green world. Sleeves. <laughs> So yeah, I I tried to create this. You know when you like like you say you go into the manual and you read up on it, and so that's what I did. And I went in the manual and just everything. I was like, you could do that. Oh, that's amazing! I'm gonna do that. And I just write down like thirty different things that I wanted in my campaign. And obviously, when you actually get down to practicing it, you realize how much work it is. Like you said, and so mm-hmm. uh, I I scrapped a ton of stuff that I had planned to do, but still, it was like this crazy, huge, ambitious city. It was just one city, and then all this stuff was going on behind the scenes that the characters weren't involved with, but they'd hear about it, and then they got involved in some of it. Yeah, I don't know. Jack, what did you think? I enjoyed both games a lot. Um, I think I, no offense to Mark, I was partial to yours more because... (laughs) I like the more. I think the thing about D and D that you should really be taking advantage of is the fact that it's words RPG role playing mm-hmm. game. It's the game aspect. I think is it, it's some. It's to keep you interested, but the role playing aspect I think is what you should really be trying to fall into, and that's requires you to really do a lot of world building and make you care about characters and really Mm. um, want to participate in this universe. And in order to do that, you need to have an actual universe to kind of go through. And that really requires teamwork on both sides because the DM can create the world and be like, you like this and this is scary. Are you scared? But it's up to the players to actually kind of pretend that Mm -hmm. they're involved. Well, that's it. And that's where the role playing comes in. It's like, it's this push-pull. Because if you're trying to, like, oh, I've created this spooky uh, wizard's laboratory and things are horrifying. And you're really trying to spook people, but guys are laughing. I'm trying to seduce the zombie. It's like, (laughs) all right, well, that's how it's going to be then. Yeah. But it's they're both good. It's just you really need to, the creativity and the amount of time and attention. Like, you can attest to 
Like, oh, yeah. how many hours do you think you spent oh, total? It took, me, it took me at least three months to prepare the whole <laughs> wow. campaign. How long did the campaign end up lasting? Six, seven sessions? Was it more? Yeah, it was seven or eight sessions. So it was, I was trying to keep it short. Obviously, I didn't want uh, my first campaign to go on forever, especially when I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So I let Mark be sort of what I called the party police because I had no idea how characters work or how they mm. should work and if people were cheating so i just said uh, i'm just gonna let you guys do what you say you're able to do and then mark is gonna be there to s- sort of say hey that looks suspicious and then mm. we'll look it up <laughs> but uh, i was just thinking that on the flip side because all of us are like just totally new to any kind of rpg session we have our friend harry who's just like insane into rpgs and he plays i don't know like four different types something called it's burning ridiculous Wheel. yeah uh, he plays uh, Pathfinder. He plays, he plays Dungeons Pathfinder? and Dragons. He, yeah, I don't know. I don't even it's remember the too other many ones. RPGs. He needs to cut back. But anyway, there's a lot of them that are just kind of like uh, you're an ordinary person in a medieval time, and you just mm. it's just kind of lifelike, and maybe you don't have health. Instead, you just die if you do something dumb. <laughs> so I don't know. They all seem kind of interesting, but at the same time, I think you were talking about Shadowrun, yeah, and how you just you look at it and you're like, man, I have to learn how everything works all over i didn't know there were so many different kinds oh yeah mm-hmm. and then there's like the even weird like burning wheel i think is a good example of like nobody knows i had no idea about it until harry brought it up and like how do you even get I involved in something for like? six months <laughs> and then and then the lord was displeased with me and beheaded me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was fun <laughs> i don't think it's as bad as that but. well he's he's told us that like in his burning wheel like his entire party has died I yeah know, like four or five times and they've had to start over because they just died. It's not like it's up to the DM to be, because uh, I was obviously pretty generous, <laughs> much more generous and kind than I could have been. Because Mark got kind of bored with the character near the end and kept having to kill it, trying to get himself <laughs> killed, which was hilarious. But uh, yeah, I mean, I allowed him to be resurrected by a paladin a couple times. A couple? Was it really two times? Maybe just once. Yeah. And then I decided that in order to do that, they had to pay 300 bucks. Nobody had the cash. I had the cash. I wasn't paying Because you had to buy a diamond. It was one of the ingredients or whatever. Nobody ever uses ingredients for spells, but something like bringing somebody back from the dead, I figured. And this gets into, like, going back to the DM thing and the push and pull. It's like, what sort of, what yeah. are you trying to accomplish? Do you, are you trying to do some gritty, ultra-realistic thing where you're, you're, well, actually, Joel, because you picked up that sword, which is uh, eight aughts, you're now encumbered and you're, you're moving slower <laughs> yeah. than everyone else. And you're out of ammunition because you decided to try to shoot at a bird to impress that girl. <laughs> so now you're useless. Or do you want to like, oh, yeah, you're about to die, but then uh, your best friend remembers he has a diamond in his pocket he forgot about, and there you go, you're healed. Well, that's the thing. Like, if I'm going to criticize Mark's campaign, and it was a lot of fun and the perfect campaign for all of us being totally new, it was that everything felt like we were immortal, right? Like, no matter what we did, we never even got any risk of passing out. That's true, yeah. Which is kind of like when you're playing Gloomhaven. Too easy. Bump it up a bit, right? But to each their own. So, Andrea, but another question would be, would you be likely to play a and d campaign in the future? Or is this something where you'd almost... Because it, it, it's a commitment. Yeah. Is it something you'd almost want to just observe or... I, like, love the idea of it. I'm just, like, right now where I am, I'm, like, so busy that even just, like, our campaign, it was, like, really hard for me to commit to. Mm-hmm. But in a time when I'm not so encumbered with, like, 
too many commitments i would love to do another one yeah are you the kind of person that just says yes to everything and then you realize you just don't have time for all of it uh yeah yeah <laughs> yes yeah, I know that. <laughs> all of a sudden i have like six plans on saturday like, yeah. six no you have one plan on saturday oh, this saturday i have one plan you want to talk about that yeah let's talk about it so um speaking of giant commitments the uh i'm I'm going to put some people on notice, too, just in case. (laughs) Um, The Jack's quest has partially been fulfilled. I may have found not the Holy Grail necessarily, but maybe uh, the Holy Grail's uh, (laughs) semi-illegal brother. (laughs) Just wait till Andrea hears what you paid for it. No, I'm not going to mention (laughs) that on there. Wait, what is this quest, though? The quest is to replace, find our own copy of advanced civilization okay which is this legendary game by francis tresham from 1980s is that what it was early 80s um which has influenced so many games to uh, that people who don't even know anything about the game are playing civ 5 civ 4 civ 3 civ 2 playing the board games playing all the board games that are derived from all these games and all sorts but it all starts in civilization by francis tresham and out of print you know can't get it maybe you could find a copy from some collector for like a thousand dollars or something crazy well some guy was flipping his copy of 150 us on board game geek but But it's, it's a very old kind of crappy looking cardboard game yeah but just a beautiful design and like like he says it's it's it was the foundation that every civilization game has been built off of. and it's not a case of like oh zelda 2 yeah remember that let's not do that again <laughs> <laughs> it's a case of no this was really really good <laughs> let's try to like and everyone's trying to put their own uh, twist on it. so uh we talked about it before but there was a uh, pegasus games and another company i forget their name uh put out a game called Mega Civilization, which is basically this independently produced board game that takes advanced civilization, uh, finds some human growth hormones, and jabs it in its butt, and, <laughs> and now it's all raged up because it is goes up to 18 players. Um, and I it, don't even have that many friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you I don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> But you don't have to play with 18. <laughs> and it keeps all the original uh, advanced Civ uh, components, but it cleans them up. It adds extra things that you can play with. On if you, uh, The board is, I think, three separate boards to play with. So now you have East, Central, and West. Um, and So that's how you'd play with 18. Is exactly. Everything's there. Mm-hmm. And then different resource cards, and it cleans up or refines <laughs> a couple of the sort of the turn order stuff, just make it a little simpler as far as they're concerned. Um, but I picked it up, I finally got it, and now I feel as though like this, I, I don't have to look anymore. And you know, if you're you're going, you're going thrift store shop and you find that game or that 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 cool record. object, and you're like that record exactly, and you're like finally, it's like off the list. It's mine. <laughs> but it's uh, so this weekend we have scheduled a giant, not even a giant game. We have scheduled a game of advanced Civ, Mega Civ. What's the runtime? It will be. Um, I'm estimating 12 hours. Yeah. So you wow. know, set your day aside. Really. Oh my goodness. I'm talking I, about commitments. I'm tempted to just put a hard quit time at 12 o'clock so it doesn't yep. necessarily drag. That's fine with me. That's um, 14 hours. Yeah, 14. Assuming we started <laughs> right there. I would like have fun. See, and that's what everyone says before they do it. Yeah. And I'm the first to admit that it can drag at the end because it starts to get a little samey. And that's what something MegSiv is supposedly fixed because there's a lot of top-tier technologies that change a lot of the directions you go to. But 
the first, I swear to God, Andrew, the first six, seven hours just fly by. It is wild. Mm. Just like that. And after that, that's up to you. She doesn't believe <laughs> You're it. You can see on her face. She's like, <laughs> yeah, right. The first six hours of this board game. Just staring blankly. Yeah. Uh, and it is, but that's it. It's a huge time commitment and it's not for everyone. But the yeah. gameplay, and this isn't something where you're sitting there and you're, you're flipping through spreadsheets and you're constantly checking the book. The rules are very, very simple. Hmm. And there's, it's half the thing is actually pre-programmed because yeah. you have to fulfill these certain requirements. If you don't, bad things happen to you. Mm. Um, but the fun comes from the trading aspect of the game, and that's where the meat and potatoes shows up because you're spreading out, and after you get enough people in a the spot, they turn into cities. And after you have enough cities, well, whenever you have a city, you go through these decks of cards, and if you have three cities, you go... And you look at these cards and the resources, and you're trying to make sets out of them. So I've got three cards of three different resources. I look at Joel and say, Joel, do you have any hides? I need some hides. I'll trade you for them. Yeah, I got a hide for you. And Joel. <laughs> so then I trade two of my things. Well, it's supposed to be three, so technically I'm supposed to have four, but whatever. So I trade cards to Joel, and he gives me some. Oh, no, I look at the cards. Joel's traded me something terrible. Treason. Like, <laughs> treason or superstition. So there are these calamities that are linked to historical um, incidents, I guess, like mm. floods and famines and things. And you can trade them to people, but you're randomly drawing them. So you're trying to hustle these cards off to other people while keep making your sets and hopefully not making too many enemies in the game. But as soon as you start to do too good, people don't trade with you or they want to try to sabotage you and, and Jack has this Jack Runge guarantee. Jack Runge guarantee. No whammies. No whammy guarantee. <laughs> really? He'll promise you that he's not giving you a calamity. Was it gold, if, Joel? If Was it gold? If he ever says Jack Runge guarantee, you just have to believe him because he's never broken that. <laughs> wow. it's, the, it's good as gold. It's good as gold. <laughs> I'd stake my life on it. I don't know if I can keep that up, though. It's going to be... Yeah, I can't we'll always see. offer Well, you it. don't have to offer No, no. But, I mean, does that mean that you never... Well, sometimes people will intentionally trade each other calamities and say, like, I have a calamity, but I know that you do too. Or, uh, you know, we're just or in you've that got stage the, tech the that game mitigates where everybody it, has yeah. it. Huh. They say, we'll see what happens. And you trade each other calamities and you say, oh, was this better or worse? Yeah. Mm. So then you get your sets and you trade them in for these technologies and it's a sprawling. There's all these different types and they all do different things and they either make your life easier in that like oh you can do more things on the board or they make life easier in that oh i because i researched uh, uh religion i'm no longer affected by an eclipse that <laughs> sends my people into like <laughs> frenzies of uh, fear and screaming see I, f- I feel like we need to explain like you're probably thinking how can a game last 14 hours right so yeah. basically what there, there's a, ser- a set of games called Epic Games, and all of these Epic Games basically run in the same format in that they have a round, and the round is basically like a short, interesting game where you f- go through each phase in the round. And that would be like an entire game, except that then you just start again. So in this case, each round usually lasts between half an hour to an hour. Mm-hmm. And once you're done, you're done, except then you start again with whatever you got from the last time so it's mm-hmm. basically like uh you're building your we- yourself towards this really ambitious goal and each round you go through you get a little bit closer mm-hmm. interesting <laughs> i just like i'm imagining like the first person who came up with one of these like m- what are they called mega games epic epic yeah. epic games and who was like well this is gonna last 14 hours i'm gonna release this and people are gonna <laughs> love it <laughs> well that was kind of the style back in the 70s and 80s they had all these yeah. war games like axis and allies and mm-hmm. everything like that where it was just like games were made 
by I think like collectors for collectors kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, they, it was they a very special they hobbyists. Yeah. They knew they weren't going to be popular, but they knew that them and their friends would play. And it. that's it exactly. So you have these same as D and D when it first came out. It's like it wasn't meant to be something that's going to explode on the mainstream, but it gradually just twists its way into consciousness. Not that civilization did in that and sense. And then nerds but. like me and Jack who've just had enough of these light, fun, King of Tokyo-esque <laughs> games uh, <laughs> dig deeper and look for something heavier, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, There's I don't know. Place, I think, yeah. like, I'm sure some people will, like, ask me, why do you go spend all day at a music festival? Yeah, there you go. Like, yeah. But even that, it's like, it's so... We're sick. There's, well, we are, obviously, <laughs> but it's like there's a time and place for King of Tokyo. I'm not going to bust out Advanced Civ just like, what are you doing this weekend? Yeah, Advanced Civ? Yeah, let's get And there's everything down. in between. Like, we can, I can think of like a good three-hour game like Absolutely. Food Chain Magnet or yeah. something. Just, you know, everything's, there's a scale. I'm finding, though, more these days that, I don't know about you, Andrea, because you've talked about how crunched for time you find yourself constantly, but... Some that even like looks like it's going to take three to four hours, as appealing as it sounds to me, like my eyes light up when I hear that because I've been, I'm trained to think the longer the game is, the better. <laughs> it is. But it's it's point that that's not true at all. If somebody's willing to play for that long, it's got to be good, right? That's not always true. Yeah. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is that when I see those, I want to do it, but I just don't have time anymore. So you end up like defaulting to maybe easier things that maybe you both already know. Mm. I'm assuming two player in this situation, but it, it's yeah. tough when you get a bigger group together to. Um, to sit down and say, all right, well, especially if one person hasn't played it and then these heavier games, it's not fun for somebody to be kind of like feeling like they're being crushed under a boot heel by everyone else who has an idea of what the game is. Yeah. So, like, I think that was the same with D&D. Like, you got to set like a hard cap on the time that you're going to yes, play as well because yes. if it keeps running into like four or five hours all of a sudden. Oh, man, yeah. it's too long. Can I please go home? I'm not <laughs> mentally interested in this at all yeah, anymore. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we've all hit that point too, especially in Sundays maybe uh, at night or not the, you yeah. know, yeah. had a long weekend, you're just kind of, your eyes starting to glaze over yeah, after. I've spent so. many hungover sessions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be rough. Especially I tried to cap it at three hours, I think. And that's fine too, I guess. But you got to—it's all about reading the room, as with most things yeah. in life. Yep. But yeah. uh, so D and D, Mega Civ, those are the the two big big baddies we we're talking about. So before we go, because we don't have too much time left, um, Andrea, a, a wicked rumor was spread about you <laughs> that you are a magic nerd. And nerd. Every we see you slinking off uh, <laughs> to the card shop, uh, scratching yourself. It's like, got, got any boosters? <laughs> And is this true? <laughs> it's not true at all. So you're saying whoever told you told us this is a liar. They are a liar. Possibly dirty. <laughs> dirty <laughs> Smelly. liar. Yeah. No, I uh, like a few years ago. I guess it was. It's been like three or four years now since I played regularly, and it was pretty much just with like my roommate and my partner at the time. Yeah. My roommate taught me. I taught my partner, and mm-hmm. we would hang out at home and play. Um, and that's it. And then uh, my my partner and I split, and then my roommate moved out, and I've like. Was it related to the magic? (laughs) There wasn't any magic anymore, Jack. (laughs) The magic was gone. It changed his life. He ended up um, going to work at the Dragon and like had like a magic addiction. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. Is this a a happy story? This is why you broke up is because he started spending your rent money on boosters. (laughs) TV's gone. Baby, I just need one more. I swear this is the last one. It's a foil. It's a foil. (laughs) 
That's pretty. But neat. I mean, yeah, no, I I like magic, and if I had somebody to still play with, I would happily play. But I'm not going to Friday Night Magic like this liar said that I am. <laughs> now, do you did you have do you still have your decks floating around? Do you still have oh, all the yeah, cards? Oh yeah, yeah. What what color were you? I was black and green. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's a wild combo. It's a tough combo. Yeah. Now, what sets were these? I'm curious what uh, year this uh, oh, stuff was going on. Was it Zendikar? Um, oh, my God. I don't even know. See, I'm, like, what hardly year? a nerd. Um, I was playing in, twen- like, 2014. But also, when I was a little kid, I loved the look of Magic cards. So I would go to, like, mm. the card shop and just buy, like, piles of the old ones. So oh, I have neat. a whole bunch from, like, the early 90s as well. <laughs> So is Joel, I think. Yeah, I have like this box about this big that I've I haven't even looked at what's in it. Huh. You should go through those sometimes. Try, yeah, well, I had my oh. my my ex went through all my cards. Oh no! Oh, he took I all the good no, ones. No, 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 no. I oh. just didn't really have anything of value. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think around that time, t- 2014. I don't know. I think that might have been Return to Innistrad, or is it maybe that after that? I was moving to Guelph. Oh, that sounds familiar. With, were there werewolves and vampires? And, yes, yeah. so many vampires. Yeah, yeah that's. Good deck. <laughs> I like those guys. Uh, I think I was hanging out in Hawaii. I definitely wasn't playing. Better. Hawaii? Yeah, I spent the summer there. and uh, Doing push-ups, hang with the I'm bros. I'm going there next Kona. month. Nice. <laughs> Which island? Uh, Maui. I went to oh, okay. Kauai a few years ago, so Maui this time. I'm Sweet. excited. Don't so bring strange. any magic with you. No. Why not? They, we'll it's, banned in the in the <laughs> it's banned in Hawaii. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they just want you to relax and have fun. <laughs> like, what is this? Get out. out. Yeah, collectible card games, whatever. You try to pull out a game, they'll just throw it in the ocean. <laughs> well, don't bring Splendor if you want to go through a customs. <laughs> yeah, customs hate Splendor. Do you know Splendor? Have you ever played that game? I've heard of it. I've never played it's it. A, it's a weird little tableau builder of sorts or engine builder where you've got these poker chips that represent gems and you're trying to build this engine where you're... you're Picking up gems from the side, and then you're buying cards that represent a permanent gem. I'm going to look it up while you're Yeah, yeah, that's it. fine. So that's basically it. And you just do that. But for some reason, whenever you travel with Splendor, it creates problems. Like, our bag was really? randomly searched. I can't believe you got searched as well. That's really funny. Because I got searched so in, like, every European airport yeah. from, like, little hops, you know? Like, and they're asking you to explain it, too. What is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually. It's a game. How do you play? Um, you want me to explain the rules right now? <laughs> do you have an hour? Oh, I've seen this, yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, something about the chips, I think, because they're kind of thick. Yeah. Well, especially the old ones. The new ones, uh, they don't feel very good. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. So, S- Splendor is a great travel game, but there are tons of great little two-player, like Hive. It's a reasonable little game to take with you on vacation. Not that... Do you have any two-player games? Mm. I'm assuming two-player. I don't know why. It could be anything, but... Uh, no, I don't think so. I We usually play, like, with my whole family, so we bring, like, four-player games. Nice. <laughs> So what's the moral of today? Don't trust Mark? Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we all knew that, but for any listeners, don't trust Mark. <laughs> We're not going to say his last name. Garbage man. Well, I, I did not say that. Spreading lies about me. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. I'm Andrea. Thank you for listening to Android's Dungeon. Uh, you can find us on anchor.fm, thanks to Joel, but also iTunes and Pocket Cast, if you're paying for that, like a sucker, or a really dedicated more. listener. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, search Android's Dungeon Radio, and also Twitter, same thing. Twitter's weak, the Instagram's very good. So, <laughs> thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Bye! Bye!